This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and your host of Give Me Strength. What makes a strong person to you? Could it be the kilograms on your deadlift, the miles you're able to run, or is it as simple as saying how you feel? An inner feeling of strength that's there regardless of your fitness abilities. Each week, I'll be looking into this concept, asking extraordinary women about their ever-evolving relationship with exercise and how their experiences have shaped who they are today. Together, we'll discuss the positives of living a stronger life, both physically and mentally, in the hope that we can inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My next guest is a woman who I have had the pleasure of being coached by and who I've worked alongside for two years at the gym where we both work. Kathy Brown needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one nonetheless. Growing up in Newcastle and adopted at a young age, Kathy spent 10 years as a professional boxer, fighting both in the UK and across the world. She was only the second woman to receive a professional boxing license in the UK and was the first woman to ever win an English title in what was at the time, she tells me, a frustratingly sexist industry and sport. Boxing has sadly always been dominated by men. The concept that if Kathy were a man, her thrill for combat and her passion for fighting and throwing punches would be celebrated. But for a woman to visibly enjoy fighting, to show aggression, to relish in controlled rage is somehow unfathomable for many. And this is where the problem lies. What I love about Kathy's story most is not about how many titles she's won or how many incredible fighters she's now helped coach, but her deep connection to the sport, which has pulled her through some serious trauma and helped her build a resilience and give her strength like no other. So obviously I touched on there how you got into boxing and I thought where we could start was maybe if you take us back and tell us a bit about your childhood, because I know it was very um, difficult growing up for you and you've spoken about that quite openly. How did you find this affected you early on? I think back in back in the seventies, you kind of never really understood the emotions, um, everything like that. And yeah, obviously, as I've grown older, I've become more emotionally intelligent. Studying cognitive behavioural therapy, I've got to understand myself where I didn't back in the seventies, and nobody else did because everything was brushed under the carpet back then. Mm-hmm. But I had this underlying feeling of not be, never belonging and never fitting in, not being worthy, mm-hmm. and. You know, my mum and dad brought me up and they give me as much love as they could. Mm. So it, it wasn't them, but you just, it's this real subconscious thing that you just don't even understand. So I was quite angry a lot. Mm. And and things like, you know, I'd, when I was painting my nails, for example, if I got it wrong, I'd unfortunately smashed some nice red nail varnish on my mum's white walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they didn't go down so well. And, you know, obviously... I, I punched a hole in the wall um, before I was boxing. Um, I think I even it's smashed... in your blood. It's in the blood. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like, I wasn't like crazy asbo. Mm. Like I studied and, you know, I was just, I just had a little bit of an anger issue going on. Mm. No, you're a smart cookie and I know that you've done 
so many other things <laughs> besides boxing in your life. But what was it that initially drew you to boxing? Like, tell me about that first kind of experience. Um, how did you get involved? Well, when I was when I was younger, obviously. I had lots of anger, um, which created me to have lots of eczema. So, which then created me to have no confidence whatsoever. Mm. And I had it on my face, I looked like a deputy dog. So, uh, when I was in my teenage years, uh, nobody really wanted to date me or kiss me. But there was a guy that we was on a blind date with, and um, he ate two bags of scampi fry crisps, so he didn't have to kiss me because it was so bad. So my confidence was really, really, really bad and really at rock bottom. Mm. So when I was 15, uh, this older man, 24-year-old guy, took a bit of a like to me and started showing me a lot of attention. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like actually somebody really likes me. Mm. Uh, consequently, he paid on my lack of confidence and mm. it turned into quite an abusive relationship, which went on over about two years. Mm. Um Eventually plucked up the courage to leave him and it turned bad then and he Mm. tried to sort of kill me and raping me. So I left home and started studying. I was studying photography at Newcastle. Then I started to study at Cheltenham and Gloucester because I just didn't know what else to do. So Mm. I left home Mm. and I was determined never to be bullied and abused like that again. So Mm. that's when I started to do kickboxing. Because I felt it, I felt I needed to do something for me, something that it's not even to like that you can fight and knock people out, but mm. it gave me a sense of belonging being at a kickboxing club, mm. and it, I felt I felt really good, mm. the serotonin release, etc. Mm. And hence, I got quite hooked. Mm. <laughs> no, I love it. I think talking about being in an abusive relationship, obviously, that's something that I experienced myself as well, and and that loss of identity that you experience, I I totally empathize with that um you know my experience was I guess different to yours but I I certainly found myself finding that that's that feeling of complete loss of control to be really disconcerting and I guess what what exercise although it wasn't boxing for me gave me was that feeling of control again yeah. that you were getting back control of whatever it was that you lost yeah. and that for me was was what was really empowering Tell me about that first experience when you first walked into the kickboxing gym. Because obviously, like back in those times, like to be a woman in that in that kind of environment was kind of, I guess, fairly um, groundbreaking. What was it like when you first walked in, and what were your first experiences? I mean, with when I, so when I first started was kickboxing, it was pretty more accepted for women with kickboxing. Oh, really? It was really strange. Yeah, it was, and you know, it was easy to get a fight on kickboxing. My, the big hurdle was when I got my professional boxing license and to go into a boxing gym because mm. that was a very much a Queensbury's rules, gentleman, British boxing water mm. control. It was very much governed by men, much more so than the kickboxing circuit, which was quite surprising for me because with kickboxing, albeit my mum and dad and my, my family were a bit like, oh, what are you doing? Um, but even more so when I gave up my career as a forensic photographer to become a boxer was when it, the walls started really hitting. So when I first walked into that sort of boxing gym was a totally different experience from mm-hmm. kickboxing because it was very, very... Nobody wanted to speak to a woman. They were just like, what are you doing here, love? Mm-hmm. You here to see your boyfriend. Oh, actually, no, I'm training. Mm-hmm. That was just the, the tip of the iceberg of things that happened. You know, you've spoken about how men 
I guess intimidated you in that environment and that's something that I hear a lot from women is that something that holds them back from embracing any sort of exercise is sometimes that male dominated environment that makes them feel as though they're not welcome um do you think that's maybe why women weren't able to to um, excel I guess in the sport up until you started breaking those barriers down yeah, it was it was, a, it was a very intimidating place. I mean, luckily at that point, I'd had my headset that no one was ever going to bully me again. So when these guys were just like, you shouldn't be here. Sorry, you can't train here. Um, promoters like, we don't promote women fighting. We don't believe in women's fighting. Sorry, we won't sponsor you because we're scared that if something happens to you, you're going to ruin the sport for both mm-hmm. sexes. So I was like, absolutely, there's no way anyone's stopping me from from coming to these gyms. And I used to get changed in the car and I used to pay guys to spar with me. Look, I'll pay you £50 just to hit me um, properly because they just wouldn't take you seriously otherwise. And I had to do things like that. And Mm. on promoter shows, sell I'll sell enough tickets to be able to sort of fight on your show and to be able to pay for my, my... opponent come up from Europe because mm. there was no one in England for me to fight then I do bitch boxing classes women mm. only classes because I feel that I know that a lot of women are intimidated by the boxing by the mm. weights room by like the gym in general because mm. there's a lot of grunting men and you know <laughs> some gyms are really bad and they make women feel that they shouldn't be there so it's still happening nowadays but back in 98 it was I mean still it was pretty 98 it's not mm. that long ago do you think there's something in, you know, I touched on in, in, in my introduction that there's something in people not feeling comfortable with women showing aggression and that for a man to be, you know, throwing punches and being like in a fight, it's kind of, it's it's okay. It's like people really enjoy it and there's always been an appetite for it. But for a woman to get hurt, to get punched, to show aggression, to be angry, I think a lot, a lot of people do feel more uncomfortable with that. Do you think that, people need to learn the difference between the art and the skill. And this is something that you taught me, I know, when I did my course with you, was <laughs> boxing is a skill. It's, it's you know, there's so much more to it as an art form than just throwing punches and showing aggression. And do you feel as though more people need to appreciate that the, the women that are competing in it and, and why more women should compete in it is because it's so much more than just being violent? There's, um, it's boxing, as soon as you've lost, I've always said, as soon as you lost your temper with boxing, you've lost the fight. Mm. Boxing is about calmness of the mind. You've got to be able to calculate what you're going to do next. You've got to be able to react on what your opponent's doing. If you've lost your temper and you're really angry, and this is why I love boxing so much, because I was always angry as a child. Boxing taught me about how to be calm mentally. And it is a skill set and it is very technical. It is very much like a chess game. Yes, you do need an element of um, assertiveness <laughs> and spite uh, but yeah, but it does make a lot of men feel uncomfortable to watch a woman being and I'm in with my fingers I'm doing brackets mm. aggressive um, mm. because at the end of the day yeah you are being a bit aggressive you're punching someone in the face it's it's it, it's part of the sport but actually there's a lot more to boxing than, than that it's not who is the most angriest is mm. going to win that fight mm. it's actually who's got the most skill set is going to win that fight mm. and I guess something else that comes from boxing is that sense of community because I know that it wasn't your sole career you didn't turn professional early on you were a forensic photographer yeah. and you had an amazing career doing that which we'll touch on in a bit but it wasn't your it was your hobby for a long time as it is for a lot of women in the UK but was it the sense of community was it what it brought you personally what was it that kept you going back and kept you training to want more 
you feel it's again touching on the, the the sense of belonging and the sense of worthiness you feel that you're part of something mm-hmm. even though boxing quite funnily is a sole game when you're fighting you're out there on your own mm-hmm. you can't rely on your other team members but in the actual gym environment when you're training it does its forms I always said there so obviously I'm not religious but like the gym is like my church and, mm. and training is like my religion and, mm. and a, in a way because I go there I feel a sense of community and, and friendliness and belonging so yeah absolutely it, it creates that nice feeling of, of belonging somewhere Figures from Sport England now show that women make up nearly 21% of total boxing participation in the UK, which is an amazing increase. Obviously, you've spoken about how boxing was a frustratingly sexist industry when you first took up the sport. Can you talk about some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? One of the main things, um, obviously, initially, I, I couldn't find a gym that wanted to, someone wanted to train me um, as a professional boxer. So that that was you know, they, again, they didn't have women's changing rooms in some of these spit and sawdust gyms. They were they didn't cater for women. Full stop. The other main thing was the promoters, um, the bigger promoters like Frank Maloney, who's now Kelly, ironically. And I think people seem to forget the things that he said when he was when he was younger and actually put a block on myself being on any shows. He was very very openly public about women should not be allowed to box. Frank Warren was exactly the same. He was another bigger promoter, and there's a lot of bigger boxing trainers who just outright refused to put women on their shows. And I mean, I even had a, a I had lots of public arguments with with guys on TV about it, and then they said no. And then the purses that they give us on the so I thought on a lot of the sort of old gangster shows they were still pro shows but they're all underground and they they took me under their wing so that's how I sort of started to just box I was lucky that they they took me under their wing and 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 allowed me but the pay I got was was pretty bad you know I remember even fighting for um the world title when I went to Germany and fought Regina Helmich she was like on half a million pound I got paid for that fight it was £3,000. That was a 10-round fight, world title fight. The, the the men underneath me who were fighting got paid so much more than me. So I was having to work full-time. And then I was having to sell tickets on these shows to make sure that I'd covered my purse, my opponent's purse. And if they flew over from a European country to England to fight me, I had to pay for their accommodation, their flights, everything. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of hard work, and I didn't make any money from that. From that. So that was quite hard and the other thing my mum and dad um, never ever came to watch me fight and my family didn't because they just they felt I brought embarrassment onto the family so I I didn't really have any great support network I luckily had lots of friends who became my extended family and who came to watch me fight and bought tickets and helped support me through Mm. it all I was going to ask like what what was it at that point that kept you going? You know, there, there's a lot of things that you're coming up against there, which most people would just sort of run and hide from. You know, like it, it sounds as though it was a very, it wasn't an easy path to, to being successful. What were the things that kept you motivated every day? What kept you going? I had a why. It's having a why is the most important thing in the world. So I had a why. I'm never going to be abused like that I was like in my early relationship again I'm never going to be bullied like that again and I'm I'm going to prove to everybody that I am worthy to be a boxer mm. that I can do this so all these barriers that people were putting in front of me were actually just giving me more ammo and more wise as long as you've got a why to get to the other side of that wall 
you're going to make it over there. No matter how you do it, there's always ways of doing it and negotiating. Mm. And that's what kept me going. Mm. So boxing was not your first um, career. I know that you were a forensic photographer, which is a very interesting job in itself. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into that and, and sort of what it, what it brought to your life? We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. Yeah, it's, um, it was my first study and um, I was like, oh, let's just go to art college. So I went to art college and <laughs> um, I was studying art. And then we, there were little modules you could do, photography, graphic design, fashion. So I decided to study photography and I studied it for two years in Newcastle. And then obviously I left there because of this relationship mm. and this guy went to Cheltenham, finished off my studying and I studied advertising photography. So I went to work at Saatchi and Saatchi it was at the time and I hated it. I hated the advertising industry. Everybody was so head up there on bottom and I really hated it. <laughs> Nobody was grounded and I was like, I'm really hating this. And then I met someone who was working for the police and they did what they did forensic photography and I was like, Oh, what do you photograph? And they're like, Oh, you know, murder scenes and postmortems and I was like, Oh my god, that's amazing. I wanna be a forensic photographer. Mm. So I started working for the Met Police and I worked for them for six, seven years. And I loved it. Like I was so fascinated. You'd walk up and you'd like you get a phone call, like, where we're going, you're like it's a murder scene. You're like, yes. Like, not, I sound, I sound really bad, but it's like I'm so fascinated by the psychology side of mm. criminal behaviour mm. that you'd go and you'd be, you know, you have to photograph the whole scene and everything that happened and you're putting this picture together and mm. you're piecing what's happened together and it was so exciting. And then you got the post-mortem afterwards and you'd sort of be analysing the body and, and it, I was so excited because it was forensically just breaking down almost the human mind and uh, I, I photograph some really harrowing things like mm. I've seen some horrible stuff but also very enlightening stuff and I, I, I really did enjoy it it was a shame to give the job up to box mm. but again I found something which is a bit more powerful mm. another thing that I found really interesting about you when when we were chatting before and you were giving me some info was that you suffered from an eating disorder oh, yeah. and you spoke about how you'd um, suffered from bulimia growing mm. up when was that and was that before boxing or was that something as a result of starting boxing I know that dropping weight in boxing is actually something that's part of the sport so could you tell me a little bit about that time it was actually when I started kickboxing and mm. it was interlinked to weight Mm. I found this place that I really loved and the sense of belonging I started to feel really good about myself and I got a little bit obsessed at the beginning um, about looking so good and it was a really weird bulimia because if I was healthy I could eat normally eating really well not a problem but as soon as I ate something that was deemed as bad like cake or chocolate or crisps I'd go and make myself sick but only enough to bring that up because if I was sick and, and other stuff came out like some vegetables or chicken, I'd stop. It was a really weird form. So I felt I was in control of it. Mm. But it played on my mind for years and years and years and it took mm. me ages to get over that. And do you think, you know, like I I was never, I never had bulimia, um, so I can't empathise with that. But I think 
definitely the control with food mm. that came from feeling so out of control of, in that relationship yeah. was something that that I definitely resonate with that that it gave you that feeling of I'm going to take control yeah. I'm going to look amazing as well because I've been made to feel as low mm. as I could ever experience so suddenly looking great performing well being at a low body weight was your way of of just being able to say hang on a second I you know I've, I've got all my control back do you think it's a lot of it came from that no absolutely I think you've just knocked the nail on the head it's absolute control mm. control that I'd been in an abusive relationship I want to get control of my body and mm. and I was you know I was lost there when I was just started kickboxing I didn't have the knowledge I have now about the body mm. and I felt out of control with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was just training really hard, overtraining mm -hmm. all of the time. And actually, I found a picture a while back of myself back then when I thought I looked so beautiful and hot. And I just, I looked gaunt. Mm -hmm. I looked skinny. Mm -hmm. I looked older than I look now. Mm -hmm. I looked really unhealthy. Yeah. And I actually thought I looked really beautiful at the time. Yeah. Well, actually, not, actually, maybe a bit not really beautiful, but I thought I looked, my body was looking like sharp. I had abs. I had... And I was like, that's not what life's about. Mm. It's about balance. And mm. I didn't have any balance then. Mm. And I think we're criticised far too much as women. Mm. And especially now with social media and people putting pictures of themselves looking lean and, mm. and with abs and strong. Mm. It puts a lot of pressure on people to, to be like that all the time. I mean, even me now, I look and go, oh, God, I just wish I need to lose a bit more body fat. And I'm like stop I'm healthy mm. um, and I have to even now stop myself mm. from slipping into that and slippery I, yeah. route and I think it takes constant work I yeah. think that's something that you've highlighted there is that it's not suddenly that you wake up one day and you're like oh my god I'm amazing I look great yeah don't care what anyone else thinks because no. it's not it's not this kind of like end destination that you get to but I've certainly been a lot leaner uh, I've done the abs thing and th and you look back and you think god like what was I thinking but like it, it's definitely a mindset that you get into just hearing you talk I can well actually having worked with you for more <laughs> than two years I know how passionate you are about boxing but you also bring a lot more to that role as a coach and as a boxing coach in particular than just this teaching the skill and it's you know you've gone away and done CBT and you've sort of really grown um, your skill set you hear about so many people that get to a high level of sport who talk about sport bringing them so much more than just the physical skill so what are some of the ways in which boxing has helped you and why did you decide to, to I guess, expand your skill set and bring those things on board as well? I think I, I, during the whole, my whole life and through boxing, mindset is so important. Um, I mean, really important. And I was also attracting clients who were maybe suffering with depression, anxiety. And as a coach, you become so much more than just a boxing coach. You, you're you uh, somewhere for someone to vent, for someone to talk to about things. You know, generally boxing naturally brings out emotion. When I, when I retired, I was told I had to retire from boxing because I had neural damage in my neck. I had no real choice. I wasn't quite where I wanted to be. I got ranked number three in the world, but I was blacking out and I had to stop. Then I hit really bad depression I didn't want to go to any boxing shows. I hated anyone who boxed, never mind women who boxed. Mm. It was just, I became really bitter. Mm. So I started to hate the sport that had given me so much. Mm. So I knew I had to do something. And that's when I started studying sports psychology. I started studying cognitive behavioral therapy because I knew that I needed help. And then by studying that, I realized that I could actually help others 
doing that combination with therapy and boxing together. Mm-hmm. And I'd had so many really good positive stories from clients and people that I've worked with of how much I've actually helped them. And I think I underestimate sometimes how much I help people. Mm-hmm. But actually that felt really good. And in a very selfish way, I got a sense of belonging and a sense of worthiness by helping other people. Mm-hmm. So... I almost was helping I'm helping you because mm. I know I'm going to feel good mm. <laughs> so it, so I got that and that's why I started studying more cognitive behaviour therapy I'm constantly studying and keeping on top of the strength and conditioning side the, the therapy side the boxing side so because I want to be the best that I could possibly be for mm. my clients mm. I want that my clients to come out of my session feeling absolutely phenomenal without being injured mm. I have done your bitch boxing a number of times. It is a class like no other and you are probably one of the most inspiring coaches I've ever been in the ring with, although I haven't been with many, but you are fab. Why did you want to create a female-only boxing class? So we went back on earlier where we said about women are feeling quite intimidated coming into the gym Mm. and I'm all about empowering women, 100%. It's, it's, It's what makes me feel passionate even more about what I'm doing. So I needed to create a, a, a class that women were only allowed to attend so they felt they could come and belong and feel worthy and be somewhere. And I created this class. It's, it's busy. So we, and I don't do anything different than I do in the men's classes. It's exactly the same class. But some women don't want to hold pads for grunting heavy men who are just trying to smash the pads as hard as they can. They want to come and learn the skill set. So I want to be able to create both. And then if the women want to go and do the mixed classes. Some of them do both. Some do the, the bitch boxing and some of them do the boxology classes. Mm. So it's good because it's open to all. There's obviously the women's classes aren't open to men, but that's because I want women to feel that they can come and learn yeah. boxing without getting hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good entry level. What's the boxing environment like now for women? I mean, I know you stay heavily invested in the sport. You go and watch a lot of fights. What's the kind of landscape like now? Do you feel like it's an even playing field? Do you feel like women are getting more respect and are being acknowledged more and being promoted more? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say it's even anywhere far from it. I mean, the women now have it much easier than we had it back in 98 by far I mean they're getting paid quite a lot of money they're they're on bigger shows but it's still male dominated it attracts the testosterone fueled sort of men and women who do just want to see blood and people get knocked out unfortunately that's the kind of crowd it attracts you know if you go to any boxing show and you sit there I mean there's fights kicking off in the crowds and people just getting like Mm. they have a few drinks everyone thinks they're a fighter so it's still very very much male dominated in the crowd and the spectators and you know I don't think it's going to be ever even as much as I'd like it to be. I'd like it to be even for women getting the respect within the ring and men watching women like they are men. The same appreciation. The same appreciation. For for me, like a lot of guys have said, oh my God, I forgot you were a woman in there. Well, so should you be just looking at me as a human being fighting, actually appreciating my skill set? So that's what it, it would be nice to have that on an even keel. And the pay to be even, mm. that that would be great. Mm. I know you're doing something pretty incredible next week. Um, you are heading out to Iraq to teach boxing out there. Can you tell me a bit about that project? Because it's massively inspiring. I'm, I'm in awe of you. There's a charity called the Lotus Flower Charity. It's, it's a local charity in Iraq and they look after 
women and children who've been sold as sex slaves over and over and over again. They've been abused, they've been raped by ISIS when ISIS went through and just devastated Iraq. They're in a refugee camp in the middle of nowhere and they haven't really got any safe havens to go. So we're travelling over there. We're going to teach them boxing and we're also going to teach... We've chosen four women who we're going to teach them... We're going to run a boxology course over there and we're going to teach them to become boxing coaches so that when we leave... They can then carry on teaching the girls boxing and then they get paid by the charity. So they get money, they they can earn a bit of a living through boxing. And then we're trying to raise enough money to build a safe house. So the girls and the women have got somewhere safe to go to during the day, somewhere where they feel they belong. Mm. And boxing, obviously, as you know, I'm passionate about the positive effects of boxing. And I know that how it's helped me through my abusive relationship. So I'm hoping to be able to give them the same back. Mm. I'm going to try and use therapy with them as well because a lot mm. of the girls are quite mute. They're scared to talk about what they've been through. Mm. They feel embarrassed of what they've been through. So when I go over there, I'm going to talk about my experience, what I've been through, and hopefully they can empathise with me. And I just think it's I really want them to find a copper mechanism through boxing. You've spoken passionately about boxing to the point that I really now just want to get up and put on a pair of pads and go for a bit of a sparring session what would you say to any woman that's listening that is just kind of inspired I guess to to get involved where would you start and what advice would you give her if you really want something you've got to really go for it never give up on your dreams and don't let anyone stand in your way I think you've really got women are very good with their instinct and they know that something if they want to do something you've got to follow that heart Mm -hmm. like I went through it when I did when I give up my job as a forensic photographer to turn pro boxer against all odds and my mum and dad gone what are you doing (laughs) Uh, I knew that it was the right thing to do because I'd found this passion and love for something that was Mm -hmm. positive Mm -hmm. and I give up everything and I made it work and I never ever ever regret giving up my job as a friends photographer as much as I love the job mm. and it was a great job to have mm. but I never regret it and I think a lot of people get deterred by barriers and again hold on to that why mm. and why am I doing this mm. because that why is going to get you over, over that barrier mm. what does strength look like to you Kathy? Ooh, ooh, I love these questions <laughs> Strength is not, it's a feeling inside to know that everything's going to be okay, to know that I can do this. And yes, this might be a hard journey and today might be a very, very hard day for me. But I know that tomorrow's another day or maybe next week's another week. But I know that this feeling isn't forever and this is not forever. Mm. This feeling if you're having a bad day or... I know that I've got the strength to get through this mm. and that there is another side and that's what strength looks like is it's being able to sort of dig down deep in those hard dark days and, mm. and conquer them because mm. you know that they're not forever. Mm. And finally, who in your life demonstrates strength most? Can be anyone. This is like a question that I always find very, very, very difficult. Mm. I haven't got one big sort of iconic person that I look up to but every day or every week there's someone that I meet that's going through something hard in life that'll inspire me just to to let me know that like I'm doing a good thing and that that what I'm doing I know when I go to Iraq I'm gonna they're all gonna inspire me 
So they'll be my inspiration to keep going, to mm. keep going back there every morning and helping them some more. That is probably one of the best answers I've ever heard to that question. So Thanks. you're amazing. <laughs> Kathy, you've been incredible. Thank you. I am forever in awe of you. And I, I often find myself counting you as one of my inspirations when I come to work and I'm having a bit of a rubbish oh, thank day. Thank you. That means because a lot. You always bring so much passion to everything you do. And I think underlying this whole conversation and, and whenever I see you in life, I always get that. So thank you so, so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. It's my <laughs> absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, thank you again. We all know how much powerful quotes can inspire us. So I've selected some of my favorite quotes from women who've inspired me to be your daily mantra through to the next episode. This week's quote comes from the American gymnast Simone Biles. She said, I'd rather regret the risks that didn't work out than the chances I didn't take at all. Thank you so much for tuning in to Give Me Strength. Please do join us next week for more incredible guests. In the meantime, I would love it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe if you want to be the first to listen to our brand new episode every Wednesday. Wednesday.